Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bresky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, although Robert Craig is uh, joining us via phone, but we do have Jorna Taylor here in the office recording. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Good morning from the Citizen Action podcast studio. There you go, our exciting office, yes. <laughs> and from the road, Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert? Good morning, everyone. Well, welcome, everyone. And we are just, what, uh, we're a couple weeks out from primary elections, spring elections. Um, I do want to note for people who live in Milwaukee, um, we're going to have a special podcast coming out also that focuses on the Milwaukee spring election. Hope you get a chance to listen to that. But this week, we have a number of topics that we want to hit on. So the big news this week was a merger between Johnson Controls, which is a very well-known Milwaukee area corporation, and Tyco International. But the big news essentially was that the global headquarters of Johnson Controls was going to be shifted from the Milwaukee suburb, Glendale, and moved to Ireland. And this was all going to be done to essentially save about $150 million in federal corporate taxes. And uh, it's essentially called a tax inversion. So uh, we're all getting a crash course here in Wisconsin in uh, federal tax policy, but a critical discussion. Um, this is actually a huge issue, and both of the presidential candidates, immediately the Democratic uh, presidential candidates, the two, two leading presidential candidates, immediately got out uh, with strong language uh, condemning essentially these corporate inversions. Um, Jorna, I know you're, you're a huge IRS tax honk and uh, follow all this stuff. Um, yes. Were you even familiar with the term tax inversion before it, this You said week? Ev- evasion, oh, right? Eva- oh, evasion. There you go. That's, that's what it, because that's what it really is. Let's be clear. It's, you know, companies moving overseas to avoid paying taxes on U.S. soil, but not really moving their operations for all intents and purposes. So, you know, chalk another one up for the Walker Jobs Plan here in Wisconsin. So real quick on it, um, specifically, you only need 20% of your foreign ownership of a company, and you can then apply for this where you essentially wouldn't have to have uh, essentially pay the, the, the full federal taxes for this money. So, so again, evasion, right? You, you said tax evasion, Inversion. Um, anyway, so so once again, you know, it's demonstrating that jobs are leaving Wisconsin, which is devastating for our local economy, especially when Scott Walker seems to think that we just have all of these jobs laying around here in Wisconsin that people just refuse to fill because they're lazy, stupid. I don't know. There's probably some other charming terms he's used for them. You know, and I will say that the Democratic presidential candidates came out of the gate swinging on this one. And, and just so that everybody knows, I will I am a Martin O'Malley fan. You can, you know, take it to social media to bash me on this one here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Hillary and Bernie Sanders both came out of the gate and and feel the burn. You know, this is horrible. And he made some gruff noises and and things. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, let, okay, so uh, hold on, Jorna. Uh, let's, just to be clear, right. we can actually read what... Uh, we can read what <laughs> the good senator from Vermont said. Well, and, and actually what Hillary said. Yes. I think it's, it's, it's important. It actually speaks to sort of um, how, how they're campaigning. Um, basically, Bernie Sanders described Johnson Controls as a corporate deserter, 
and flat out said that profitable companies that have received corporate welfare from American taxpayers should not be allowed to renounce their U.S. citizenship to avoid paying U.S. taxes. These corporate inversions must stop. Hillary um, also Hillary Clinton released a statement noting that she has plans for an exit tax that would make it less attractive for U.S. companies to move their headquarters out of the country. And she said, I think these efforts to shrink the U.S. tax obligations leave American taxpayers holding the bag while corporations juice more revenues and profits. So, so one is, has a plan, uh, one right. has a plan, okay. and one has some words. Okay, so there you go. But so... Jorna has effectively laid out this is the p- p- the fault line in the Democratic presidential yes. debate that is really playing out on this uh, Johnson control issue. They're both articulating strong stances Absolutely. against it. Um, one is, as you said, Jorna. So, Robert, let's get let's get your thoughts on this. Well, the difference between the two positions is is that Bernie Sanders' position is a lot clearer and cleaner, and it's simply against these corporate tax inversions, whereas Hillary is going to make it more costly for them. And, of course, you can imagine what would go through Congress that way. I mean, this is a, as a campaign position to be kind of against them, but wanting to reform them and regulate them in some way versus abolish them. I mean, that, 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 that is part of the reason that a lot of movement progressives have been driven uh, to Bernie Sanders' camp. And on this issue in general, and Matt, I had heard of an inversion before. Uh, oh, Robert, this, do- this doesn't surprise uh, me. So, uh, it's estimated nationally that uh, this uh, this is going to cost over time, uh, next couple of years, $20 billion from the federal treasury. And this isn't the only corporate tax dodge. In fact, corporations are, have record profits right now, and they're still paying less taxes than they did before the Great Recession. So their their profit uh, balance sheets have recovered long ago. They're getting to pay less and less of their fair share. And this is just like outsourcing. This is part and parcel of the ability to rig the system against average people, to pull the rug out, and then the same politicians would say, there's no money for any major investments in economic opportunity. Well, there's no money because uh, the most profitable institutions in the world are not are paying less and less. And I understand that the Supreme Court says they're people and they have constitutional rights, but other people can't invert themselves to foreign countries to avoid taxation. So they're really special superhero kind of people, uh, if you think of it in these terms. And so, quite frankly, it's amazing how un- this is a classic problem with, with whether we're, we're a full-scale democracy, because the public is rapidly against all of this, and neither party has a clear-cut position against it. Um, the Republicans are for it, basically, though they'll deny that in terms of their legislation. Uh, and Democrats will speak against it, but where is the strong legislation in, in, in the House of Representatives, in the Senate, on corporate inversion? Well, Robert, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I, I do want to reference for listeners who want to learn a little bit more about corporate inversions, uh, certainly with the progressive take there was a great article written in Rolling Stone uh, in 2014 that really brought this issue to light to a lot of folks. Um, and of it, so I will have a link to that. I suggest you take a look at that. Um, it, it sort of lays out exactly what's happening, a number of the companies that are involved. And as Robert has mentioned, these are large, huge, obviously now multinational corporations. Um, Robert, you mentioned the, the, the fault line around Republicans and Democrats. Um, 
The Rolling Stone article points out that there are a, there are a lot of Republicans who are actually against this, um, but politically have a very difficult time because of the influence of the resources and the money, right? And then, of course, you have the ideological uh, base now that is probably a majority within, with certainly a majority within the Republican Party who just actually uh, articulates the Ron Johnson message that we ought to just get rid of all these taxes, right? Completely capitulate. Um, and and not at all have these taxes. So you mentioned that Democrats. I think there's also a local... You'll notice, Matt, that the solution when there's a very small segment of people, say, abusing food stamps, right, is that we're going to crack down on those people. In this case, when we have literally immoral tax dodging uh, by these large corporations that are supposed to be respected part of our society and loyal Americans that wave American flags outside their, all their corporate headquarters, right? Uh, we're going to change the law. We're going to say, let's get rid of the law so that they're not violating any moral standards. So let's become a tax haven. Let's make the United States a tax haven. Just so, great. So, so I want to bring this back home to Wisconsin a little bit here, because I think not only is there a partisan, a political left-right, there is a, a geographic, uh, national versus local, and you can see the constraints uh, locally, politically. Russ Feingold's one of the few people that I've seen who came out and spoke strongly against this, who's sort of more of a local in-state politician. Um, language nowhere near as strong as what you w- would see from Bernie, but also felt, obviously, had to talk about how great Johnson Controls is, right, because it's a local company and employs a lot of people here, right? And so, you know, this gets back to WEDAC and kind of what our state policy has been, where you're actually just sort of giving these resources away without any job standards, right? Um, Here you have the exact opposite, where it just seems to anyone who's not well-connected that this is an egregious, un-American thing to do, but yet local politicians feel so constrained that you know, there just wasn't a lot of outrage over this, right? You, you, you know, maybe I missed it. Um, so, which I, I think is natural, but also shows the constraints of, you know, what we're trying to do here, where you're really pushing against these kinds of powers. Well, and if I can just say for a second, talking about these fault lines and pushing against these constraints of power, you know, I am definitely far to the left on the political spectrum, but frankly, we have to have bold ideas and plans and actual public policy to go with this. We can't just have words. So if we're going to be good progressives and if we're going to push a progressive agenda, we can't just be against things. And I say that from the top of the ticket all the way down to you know these local elections that are coming up here in Milwaukee in April. We have to have bold ideas with actual meat behind them. We cannot afford to just be against things anymore. And I think that that's a lot of the schism that I see among my own friends here, um, frankly, which pushes me toward Hillary and not toward Bernie when my poly- my personal beliefs may align more closely um, with somebody like a Bernie Sanders. One, one other thing that I want to throw out, uh, there was some new numbers, jobs numbers that came out this week that showed Wisconsin is uh, 38th in private sector job creation. And Look, there's all kinds of different numbers and reports that come out, but we have been consistently now in this 30 to 50 range pretty much throughout uh, Walker's administration. And, you know, this gets back to some of the conversations we were having last week about Walker's state of the state and sort of his approach towards he's sort of declared victory in job creation, which, again, I mean, just continues to show this is 
This is nonsense. And I also want to mark a, a new report that came out this week from one of our national partners, uh, Alliance for Just, uh, Just Society, that essentially found that there are seven job seekers for every one job that pays over $15 an hour, right? And, and so there clearly aren't enough of these good jobs, and we know what we're really creating is a lot of these low-end jobs. Um, and, and, and so this, this, this all needs to be discussed within that, uh, that framework. Robert? So just to briefly touch on Jonah's point, I'm not sure why she doesn't think Bernie Sanders has a policy. I don't know why we can't, why we have to allow any corporate inversion. That's a policy. It's a very clear policy. We don't have to make it a little more costly for them to do corporate inversions. We can just ban it. Uh, so, and the same goes at the state level. Uh, we don't have to be very careful uh, with companies that take public money to create jobs, we take money and then outsource. We should simply ban the practice. So, clarity would be helpful. And the problem with uh, Democrats and progressives is our overcomplexity uh, on these issues. What is the public value of corporate inversion of any kind ever by American corporations? I haven't heard anyone describe that. All there are the political constraints of, oh, we have lots of donors, we can't totally offend them, etc. Well, that's, that's not a strong moral position. So as far as uh, job creation here, Look, I mean, Walker told a very uh, compelling story, compelling for, for, for conservatives and also for swing voters, uh, that somehow he is, is um, giving people skills so they can leave dependency, i.e. failed social programs, and then have the independence, the American freedom of living the American dream and have your own job. And, of course, there's a racialized component to that, the idea that there are low-income people of color who simply aren't working. Right, which is not true, by the way, at all. In fact, low-income people work harder than anyone else in order to survive in our society uh, and get not rewarded for it whatsoever. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the, the large macroeconomic numbers, which we need to explain much better to average people, are overwhelming that it, there aren't enough jobs. So even if you improve job training, which Walker's not really doing because you cut education, uh, you need to have jobs for people to, in order to be trained to do, right? And so we have the cart before the horse. You can't blame the workers when the people uh, Walker wants to uh, shower favors upon, the alleged job creators, well-connected ones uh, uh, sopping up to WEDAC for more public money, uh, aren't creating very many jobs, not going to create more jobs just because you, tra you train more people. Uh, and this whole myth that the problem is there aren't enough trained people um, is absurd. The problem is we're not, they're not paying enough for trade people. If they want to pay $10 an hour for welders, if they pay uh, enough for welders, they'll get plenty of welders. So, Robert, I'm gonna, I need to... That was excellent. we got to get Jorna's response, though, to that initial shot at the beginning oh, of it. So, Jorna, you heard Robert. He says we need some, some clarity. Respond. I guess the pragmatist in me, um, I guess the pessimist a little bit in me, thinks that the political landscape, unfortunately, is not there yet. Um, and that we need to try and figure out, as we've seen, in, at least in Wisconsin time and again, that we can't get anywhere with some of these just, nope. Not gonna, you know, cut and dried, not gonna be for it, um, that there has to be some sort of middle ground. And I would think essentially, especially, not essentially, especially in this presidential contest as well, and at a national level, there, there has to be some middle ground. So with that, we're going to actually switch topics. We're going to, we're going to, Robert, we, 
one more pragmatic. Oh, okay. We're gonna play, if we're going to put this in pragmatism, my pragmatic statement would be the way to uh, greatly strengthen regulations on inversion is not to compromise with ourselves, but to run on banning it and then settle for heavy regulation. So if we compromise with ourselves, we'll never even get heavy regulation of inversion. So with that, we're going to parking lot this conversation. I believe we're going to talk about this more in 2016. Actually, I think this is a actually a very critical debate. Um, want, want to talk about some, some stuff here local in the state. Um, again, we know that things that Democrats put out are not likely to go anywhere. In fact, they'll go nowhere. But they're very important that they start to lay out a vision. And we've talked about this, about what a progressive uh, leadership would look like. What ought we be doing? And so there's some legislation this week that I think is worth talking about. would like to get uh, both Jordan and Robert's thoughts on it. And that is Democrats this week uh, pushed for a measure that would allow free in-state college tuition. Uh, and the kicker is you would have to got to keep a three-point GPA, and you got to stay here in the state after you graduate for three years. But otherwise, um, that's the deal. Jorna, sounds like a good deal. What do you think? They like things in threes, three years, <laughs> 3.0 GPA. Look, I, I am absolutely 100% in favor of free college tuition. I Full stop. Across the country, there should be free college tuition because that is the only way that we continue to compete in a global market. And having come out of United Council of UW students and having worked very um, intimately with our public college system here in Wisconsin, you know, I know how it's costing people hundreds of thousands of dollars, frankly, just for a four-year degree from UW-Madison. I, I will say that, so great public policy. I am a little concerned about the three-year you must remain in-state after you graduate. And the only reason that I say that is that young people who are trying to make their way as much as we want to stop the brain drain that plagues the state of Wisconsin... I, I am a little hesitant to say, full stop, you must stay here when opportunities arise for folks to advance their career. So I would want to talk a little bit more about that. You know, having been someone who has lived in a lot of states, taking opportunities that have now led me back to Wisconsin in a much more qualified, you know, my, my toolbox is much more extensive having had those opportunities. So that is my only hesitation on this, but let's just free college tuition. Yes. So Jorna, Jorna likes it just with the caveat of the, let's talk about if, if you love the person, let them go, they may come back to you, <laughs> which actually probably is a very profound and in Jorna's case, true. Robert, <laughs> yes, your thoughts. I think progressives need to be the people who say that America can be great again. We had free college tuition in the 1960s when we were a much poorer country. Uh, we, we, were, we had less maldistribution of wealth, but we were a poorer country. Now we have these false kind of shackles that have been put on us by conservatives saying we can't do great things anymore. We certainly can do this if we want to do it, and I think that's what... Uh, what everyone wants to see, but especially the uh, the rising generation and millennials would like. Well, uh, already are, are one of the most progressive generations in history. They'll be even more progressive if we start to actually be bold and do things like this. So I think it's it's a, it's a great start, and uh, there are a lot of other things we should do as well if we're going to be a great country again. Um, but this is a this is a great start. Now I would throw in my caveat for Jor that is different than Jorna's. Uh, I would say that over time, we also, as progressives and Democrats, 
need to take seriously uh, the, uh, the kind of the academic, the uh, university industrial complex and how it is the, uh, the only area that has had more rapid hyperinflation is healthcare. And it's been unaccountable. Most of that money is not spent on students and on instruction. And we do need to, as we invest more public money, also hold universities accountable, not in the silly, punitive way like Scott Walker, where he does a freeze with no reform and simply causes huge problems down the road for these institutions. But I mean real reform uh, that really looks at what you need to invest in to make a high-quality education. And the other stuff needs to either not be done or, or really funded privately. Uh, one of the one of the secrets in uh, higher education, dirty little secrets, is a lot of the corporate grants they get don't pay for all the infrastructure. So not only does it make the research essentially at the hest of large corporations, that also essentially costs us a lot of money that's never reported. And that's one of the reasons for the hyperinflation. So, but we should take this step anyway. We should have a plan, though, to deal with college costs in general, the underlying costs. Uh, on Jordan's point, I don't have as much of a problem because uh, what the bill says, is my understanding anyway, is that if you leave the state in the first three years, uh, your grant becomes a loan. So it simply creates an incentive to stay in the state. If you're going to be paid $20,000 more in Chicago than in Milwaukee, you still probably benefit from going to Chicago and paying off your loans. So I think it's reasonable to try to uh, create more incentives to stay here in Wisconsin. <laughs> And to give Wisconsin employers uh, and Milwaukee and Madison, the other cities, even the cities outstate as well, uh, particularly the ones close to the Twin Cities, uh, some kind of advantage uh, um, over over other other nearby metro areas. Well, the great thing about this debate is you're actually having a debate about whether how long you should have to stay and, and not about the idea whether we should be looking to make sure that everybody has access to the opportunity that a college education affords, right? And that ought to include tech colleges, right, and the yes. full the full uh, gauntlet of what we now need uh, in order to create a functioning, high-paying economy. With that... Robert, I want to quick, before uh, we move on, get your thoughts. We are, what, we're a few days out from open enrollment closing for the Affordable Care Act, uh, January 31st. Um, but I want not only just briefly on that, but remind everybody about how after even open enrollment and close, how people who could still be eligible to continually apply for, for access to affordable care. So we're, we're at the end almost. Sunday is the open enrollment deadline. Uh, folks should not only be um, uh, enrolling, uh, the fine for not enrolling goes up dramatically this year, uh, but they should also be shopping to make sure that they're in the same plan. It's really important that consumers uh, in the federal marketplace now look every year because there are huge differences in not only the provider networks, but the balance between uh, premiums, co-pays, deductibles. Hey, Robert. Uh, and Robert, Ted Cruz apparently shopped around, I heard. I don't know if you heard that story. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. Well, yeah I, he I shopped around and got. Believe, yeah. So that's good to hear. Yeah, and then lied about it, but that's okay. He's now changing his tune. He tried to suggest that it uh, forced him to be uninsured for a while or some some crazy story that he's had to backtrack on. Anyways, I'm sorry I interrupted. Oh, it, it, we do need. Well, we're stuck in this endless debate over repeal, uh, this, uh, where the right has made this their Northern Ireland of American politics. Uh, we need to be talking about building on the Affordable Care Act. It's still not affordable enough for a lot of families. And, of course, turning down the Medicaid money makes it much worse in Wisconsin and other states. But we need to get to the point 
where we are actually uh, taking on deductibles to drug prices even more. So it's hard to afford for a lot of people, but it's still an absolute necessity in, in modern life to have health care. You have one major illness or injury away from bankruptcy and from not getting life-saving medical care if you're not, if you're not an insurance. For the first time, everyone has somewhere to go to get it no matter what, which is a huge milestone in American history. And they can't turn you away because of your age, your pre-existing conditions, et cetera, other kinds of discrimination. They can't charge you more because you're a woman. Um, and after enro open enrollment, you're still eligible if there's a life-changing event. So if you lose your job, um, it, it, for example, uh, you, can, you can go and um, – or if you're – your husband passed away and you've got your insurance uh, through your husband or your, or your wife, uh, then you can still enroll. So with that, thank you, Robert. We are going to, uh, and oh, before I actually move, I want to uh, thank all of the Citizen Action members, including some of the members of the new uh, Wisconsin Nuevo, which uh, our organizer, Lou Sosa, uh, has organized people to come out and make calls uh, to folks about uh, open enrollment and remind them to get uh, signed up. So thank you to everyone who uh, came into Citizen Action and made calls encouraging people to sign up. So with that, Jorna, we have got to move to our favorite part. Now, our new favorite part. It the is our new favorite Paul part. Paul Ryan Watch. So Jorna, what do you got for us this week? Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. Um, well, there's a number of fun facts about Paul Ryan. Um I will, I will start with my personal fun fact here today. And folks, remember, you heard it here first on the Battleground Wisconsin podcast that Paul Ryan is still being kicked around as, not actually kicked, but tossed around his name as, the, uh, as a potential presidential nominee. It looks like the conservatives and the talking heads among the conservative um, movement are a little bit nervous about the candidates that they have lined up. Hard to believe. Hard, hard to believe. Fantastic. And at least, as I quickly scroll through my newsfeed, at least three conservative publications this week have said that they would like to have Paul Ryan considered in this mix as the presidential nominee for the for the Republicans. So, so, so more of the rumor that we broke here on the podcast yeah, about Paul Ryan saying. for president. Don't count him out yet. Well, that's all very very exciting, but Jorna, yeah, I'm gonna one up you on Paul you Ryan watch. So, for those of you who haven't had an opportunity this week to really dive into Paul Ryan, you may not have heard the big story related to Snowzilla in Washington D.C. Our Paul Ryan, as most of you know, if you follow him on Twitter, is an avid social media superstar. And instead of uh, turning the camera on himself this week, he turned the camera on the snowfall and had this live stream of people sledding and had this fine music playing that we have in the background, which communication staff informed us was DJ Ryan's music. Uh, turns out that was not true. Uh, no, it was a 24-year-old Canadian. They you can't uh, oh, trust Canadians. I know. So this lovely song you're hearing actually was not Paul Ryan, did not make this. It <laughs> jumped the wall. No, it jumped the Canadian wall, the Scott Walker wall, <laughs> and came on down. And I can understand, this is a great tune, why Ryan <laughs> would want to take credit for it. And it's great that he got to loop this over and over. But anyways... 
So that's our latest this week in Paul Ryan Watch. We'll continue to track <laughs> the exploits. And I do suggest you follow him on Twitter and Instagram. It's very exciting. So anyways, so we're going to actually, uh, we, we have to transition away here from, from Paul Ryan Watch and all of its uh, uh, fun and uh, lightness. Uh, Robert, uh, we have some, some important news about a uh, very important uh, historic leader here at Citizen Action. So Dick Presser, who was the founding president of Citizen Action Wisconsin, went back in the days in the 80s when it was called the Wisconsin Action Coalition, passed away last week at the age of 86. He was the president of the Machinist uh, uh, Lodge 10 here in Wisconsin, uh, was a major player in, in, in organized labor uh, for years. And, and without Dick, a lot of people think Citizen Action never would have been founded. He was a driving force here. In fact, the Machinist Union, when it was a much larger industrial union that was a political force before we allowed unchecked corporate globalization, uh, was a major force in creating uh, the national organization, Citizen Action, and a lot of other state affiliates. So Dick was the president for a number of years and the founding president uh, and, and really built the organization. Uh, and then in addition to that, he continued to follow the organization after his retirement in 94 and was so committed to it that, in fact, his obituary in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel last week asked for uh, donations to Citizen Action Wisconsin in lieu of flowers which really reflects his commitment to a higher cause and uh, building a just society. So just want to uh, give a huge shout-out to Dick's entire career here, and uh, we'll provide some kind of a link. But um, uh, anyway, we're, we just need to think back. We all, in many ways, uh, anything we can accomplish, uh, we really stand on the shoulders of giants, and we wouldn't be in a position to do anything about Scott Walker and what's going on right now without the uh, kind of foundation that was laid by Dick Presser and, and others like him. You know, Robert, in uh, hearing from some other folks about Dick this week, one of the interesting stories I heard is that um, he, he, he was not someone who, when he grew up, was a prog some progressive radical. He was someone who actually was organized and was moved through his life experience and through his interactions with other organizers to become more progressive and to become uh, the leader that he was by the time he uh, helped found Citizen Action. Um, and I think that's important for us to understand is that people move, people change, and that our work and our interactions and how we engage people in the community matters. And I think Dick, it, was, it sounds like, was a testimony to that. Um, by the time he got to the state AFL-CIO, he was on the executive board, he was sort of one of the more leading, it's my understanding, he was uh, a, a leading progressive voice within uh, uh, the AFL-CIO at that time and certainly uh, brought that to citizen action. Um, so a big shout-out, uh, I agree, Robert. So, um, and, and he and, worked at Laddish, one of the great manufacturing yep. in Milwaukee, and was a machinist leader after being a rank-and-file member for 44 years, I believe. And uh, so we need to rebuild that kind of a union movement. And so we need to, in, in the new economy. And then we, of course, need to change the whole landscape so that people have the right to organize yet again, like like Dick did, and, and like it allowed him to do the things he did in his career for working people. Yeah, one other thing, it's uh, he continued to follow uh, Citizen Action, particularly as it related to health care. And uh, even uh, in you know, his later years was always interested in updates on what was happening around health care, uh, particularly from his daughter, who used to regularly keep him updated. Um, so uh, anyways, with that, 
Um, of course, we, as you said, Robert, stand on the shoulders of giants. So uh, we are over 35 years here at Citizen Action. So um, thank you uh, again to the Presser family uh, for, for alerting us and letting us know about this. Um, we, got a, we got a really cool picture of him with Ralph Nader speaking uh, to Citizen Action of Wisconsin that will we'll provide access to somehow. Yep. All right. So with that, um, Jorna, what are you going to do this weekend on your, your furlough out of political world? Are you, is there such this weekend? Uh, there is. I am actually looking forward to just spending some time with my favorite horses, Reno and... Reno. And George. Oh, George is still around. George okay, still sorry. Around. Okay. Uh, no, no. Oh. I've I determined this morning on my way to work that I was going to change a new, just change, and I'm going to be pro Reno. <laughs> I don't know who George is anymore. Um, and honestly, I've had some crazy weeks and all of that, so I'm looking forward to riding my horses and then doing really nothing else. Go go Reno, Robert. What are you doing this weekend? Well, as usual, I'm you know not nearly as precocious as Matt. I'm only a day ahead on planning. So Delano, my nephew, is volunteering tomorrow. So that's sort of the beginning of uh, uh, of any kind of furlough. I'm thinking. I haven't figured anything fun. I'm thinking this might be a good weekend to knock out my taxes. Oh, there. Uh, we'll see if that. that see if I there you go. Do that. I'm going to switch uh, kind of uh, electronic uh, tax. You know tax software try it this year do you hire dj for that that does that come along and help you with that big party over at the house no robert taxes uh, you, get, you get robots now that <laughs> with you on through the software excellent um i'm actually going to be in new orleans this weekend i my wife and i are headed to new orleans for a 15th wedding anniversary that's been deferred over a year or so very excited we're going to bike we're going to we are renting bikes and going to see New Orleans via bike. It's supposed to be about 70 and apparently very little rain. So we're, I'm super excited to spend some time with Bonnie with no kids, no bikes, no nothing. Just I know. Yeah, we're going to be stuck to actually have to hang out with whoa. each other. Whoa, whoa. Let's see how. I'll report back next week how that went. <laughs> If Bonnie's uh, back with you. Yeah, I may have been murdered by my wife in New Orleans anyways. <laughs> so with that. We hope everyone has a great weekend. And uh, again, want to remind folks, elections just around the corner, Spring Primary, February 16th. And we'll see everybody next week. But, oh, Brian Woolridge. Thank you, Brian. We want to want to thank you for producing this. And we'll see everybody next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.